Why can't we see air? Can I drink enough poison to make me immortal? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Hello! Hey! And welcome back to This Paranormal Life. This is the weekly comedy podcast where every Tuesday you're joined by me, Kit Greer Mulvena, and Rory Powers, who's sitting across the room from me in a new room, actually. How are you doing today, Rory? Pretty good, Kit. This is always a weird part of the year for paranormal investigators. When Halloween is over, the spooky season has come to an end, essentially, and we have to enter an even spookier season, Christmas. <laughs> Wait, what? I've actually put all my my shit back in storage. You're saying I need to get it out again? Well, you need to get something out because any day now, well, not any day, specifically December 25th. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> clockwork the way it works. Oh, fat man is going to come down your chimney All right, well, with a sack of toys. And if you're trying to tell me who you're talking to that that's not paranormal. He has a list I've heard. Right. Yeah, I know. But how many times does he check it? Is there, is there room for error? <laughs> the jury's actually out on that one. We've got a few investigators on the case, but it's actually, uh, we haven't worked that out. I'm just saying, if you're going to tell me what Halloween-based creature is a real paranormal cryptid, it's not the Easter Bunny. It's certainly not the pumpkins on Halloween. It's the fat man visiting the house of every child in one night. <laughs> right. He should be on a fucking list. Let me tell you. Okay, we're not even going to get into right. that because that sounds like a lot. It's also slightly early in the year, but as you mentioned, just to quickly list, yes, uh, super speed, teleportation, um, yeah. a weird thing for kids. We won't get into it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can, even Despite his his jolly, jolly demeanor, he, yeah. he can somehow fit down minuscule chimneys. Why does he need to know if some of the kids are naughty? That's all I'm going to say. That's a weird thing. Weird word. Weird list to have. Why not bad? <laughs> Why not bad children? That's why every Christmas Eve, I stand by my chimney opening with my arm ready to capture him in a headlock. <laughs> you, you, it's like Kill Bill. He's like Uma Thurman. He, he's like deep breathing, ready to kick down Rory's front door. Rory's waiting with a shotgun in an armchair. <laughs> so I'm saying basically every season is spooky season. So even though Halloween is over, we're entering a whole new world of the paranormal. And then when Christmas is over, you don't think a bearded guy 2,000 years ago rising from the dead isn't paranormal? <laughs> I got news for you, bud. It is. Oh, you think we're done? A bunny that shits chocolate? I don't think so. He doesn't so. shit chocolate. I'm pretty he sure he shit. does. No, he doesn't. Well, he I've been eating it. it. I think. Uh, Rory makes a salient point that uh, the paranormal is all around us despite whatever time of year you happen to be listening to this in hopefully it's now in we're coming into winter um rory we can't uh, get too sidetracked because of course we do have a doozy of a paranormal investigation to get to um i'd say let's get into it right after a couple of words from today's sponsors we're jumping into today's case rory i think you might be i'm not going to spoil it at the beginning but i think you might be familiar with this particular cryptid we're going to be talking about today all right okay Christopher Kringle himself. <laughs> no, I don't no, believe this it. This is coming out in, I think, mid November. We begin in 1920 in the dusty halls of the Natural History Museum in New York City. Roy Chapman Andrews was a paleontologist, and his job was basically a traveling specimen collector. When the museum wanted, say, a whale skeleton, they sent old Roy out to get it by any means necessary. Yeah, that's worrying. <laughs> They don't just want the whale. They need specifically a whale skeleton. 
<laughs> between you and me, we want this thing dead or alive. And between you and me, preferably dead. <laughs> I mean, hey, we've all got blood on our hands. We all enjoyed the Indiana Jones movies. You don't think Indiana Jones was roughing up a few whales to get his hands in those space? I don't think that was his area of study, actually, now I think about it. But he was roughing up people all along that trilogy. Look, this is just one of the old-timey jobs that have been lost over the years. Specimen collector. <laughs> uh, you don't see many of those these days, but maybe, maybe in the 1920s, this was basically like working as a barista. <laughs> right. It was like the most hipster thing you could do. Yeah. Specimen collectors were like, they wore skinny jeans and tiny beanies. <laughs> they were like, yeah, pretty much like a freelance specimen collector. Yeah, no, I'm unemployed, yeah. As Roy points out, uh, today that job would make you basically evil. Uh, but at the time, it was exciting and offered a daily dose of discovery and adventure. He never knew where the museum would send him next. And that's the way he liked it. Andrews, we've got another assignment for you. We need you to go ahead and document... Uh, hold on, I'm sure I wrote it down here somewhere. Oh yeah, Asia. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The entire continent? If it's not too much trouble, take as long as you need. We'll wait. Anything in particular? No, see what's up. You Use your imagination. Like you always do, Roy. You've always All had right. a great imagination. That's why we like you around here. Somewhere to start, at least. An airport. A f***ing bug. Or like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like a tree or, or, you know, a human being? I don't... Man, no, I'm just kidding with you, Roy, but... <laughs> Between you and me, if you came across one. They have all those things here. Bugs, trees, <laughs> no, humans. No, but the, but the Asian versions. <laughs> we don't have anything from Asia. I don't know how. It's 1920. We're pretty advanced already. For some reason, we don't have a damn thing from Asia. I'm just going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Roy. Roy jumped at the chance to explore the Far East. He gathered a team and set sail as soon as possible. It was the olden days, so they went by sea. Rory, can you guess how long it would have taken them? From New York City to Asia? To China? To China. <laughs> it's not a very obvious seafaring route. I don't even know what way you go. This is one of these old-timey facts that is going to be so dramatic, it's either going to be like, it took 30 days or 15 years. <laughs> Roy was a, was a pensioner by the time he arrived. He was cryogenically frozen in the New York Harbor and arrived on the planet of the apes. <laughs> Which back then just meant they put two ice cubes in your mouth and broke your legs <laughs> so you couldn't move. They put a popsicle in your ass and locked you in a treasure chest. I was being cryogenically frozen in the olden days. <laughs> there was a 100% death rate. They hadn't quite mastered the procedure. At the end of the trip, you were the specimen they were bringing home. <laughs> it was just a round trip. They didn't stop anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we managed to pick up this treasure chest of skeletons in Asia. It's like, we just saw you do a loop of the harbor for three days and come back. Yeah, 15 years later. Roy, I knew you'd get the job done. I'm Roy's son. Roy's dead. I, I was a boy. Now I'm a man. All right. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. Traveling by boat, presumably, mm -hmm. um, it would take four months. <laughs> Apparently 27 days. See, 
No clue. No clue. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty long, but you're treating it as like a Mars mission. You're like these motherfuckers. Twenty-seven said, days said to goodbye to all their families. That is so much faster than I thought. These boats must have been heavy duty. I have one mate who uh, went by boat from, I guess, like the UK, somewhere in the UK, to um, South America by boat on like, <laughs> like a freight. I don't know if he. No, I'm thinking about it. He might have been a stowaway, right? But uh, he went on like a big like freight container boat, you know? Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a route you can do with like Disney cruises. That's <laughs> right. a pretty industrial kind just, of. If route. you scroll, if you go to like page thirty-five of Skyscanner, yeah. it gives you the boat option. China via Somalia on a freighter. <laughs> so yeah, okay. Yeah, I feel like if you don't come out of that trip writing the next great American novel, it was a waste of time. True, 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 true. That is not a long time though. 27 days. I could do that. I couldn't. A trip of that magnitude better be worth it. But luckily for Roy, it was. It was extremely fruitful. Right off the bat, just as an example of the kind of thing they were looking for, allegedly, he discovered some of the world's first dinosaur eggs. What? That's pretty cool. Hatched? <laughs> Or scrambled. What are you talking about? Hatched or scrambled. <laughs> How did he... What? No, not... <laughs> well, yes, hatched. Okay. Because they were alive 60 million years ago. <laughs> I, I know, but just, I don't know why the way you worded that was so weird. <laughs> he found dinosaur eggs. So he found shells. He found shells, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love the idea that, you know, like Christopher Columbus, like, you know, thought he was in India supposedly or whatever when he got to the americas yeah so called it like west indies um i love the idea of roy thinking he's in china and he's on jurassic park <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a weird amount of dinosaurs <laughs> y'all speak a weird language over here <laughs> it's like there's there's a lot of dinosaur eggs they are warm too um which i wasn't expecting but I'm loving these Japanese omelets. You are eating a Velociraptor's <laughs> child. Arigato, my friend. Arigato, you clever girl. So you have seen Jurassic Park. <laughs> so you do know what the island is. By 1926, Roy and his team had reached Mongolia, which is where our story really starts. Okay, okay. They'd already been exploring for six years. Much of their work was spent knee-deep in mud out in the field, but on occasion, they stayed in big cities and rubbed shoulders with important people. On one occasion, Roy was introduced to the Mongolian Prime Minister. He hastily wiped the dry mud from the hem of his khaki explorer's outfit and brushed the dust from his pith helmet. Sir, it's an honor to meet you. I cannot wait to see the treasure your great nation holds and share it with the world. Roy's translator interpreted for him. Do you want to see my worm? Excuse me? It's big and it's powerful. All right, buddy. I don't know how they do things here in Mongolia, but over in New York, we buy a brother a drink first before we start talking about our worms. Everybody loves my worm, especially ladies, but men too. At this point, it's like, elaborate on what the worm is. Elaborate on what the worm is. Let's stop talking about how much people love it and all the places you can put it. And let's talk about what the worm is. Uh, do you have big worms in your country? All right, that's enough. Are we talking about penises? Or do you have some sort of worm in your pocket? 
<laughs> you just know that silenced the entire room. That was the bit when you're talking at the movie and then it becomes a quiet bit and then <laughs> yeah, all yeah. anyone hears is penis. <laughs> at first, Roy wasn't sure if he was being pranked, sexually harassed, or if this old man was insane. But by continuing to listen, it soon became clear that he was talking about a very real living creature. It goes by many names. Some call it Olgoi Kokoi. Others know it as Olgochochoch. People of the distant regions call him Alagohai Hohai. Many use the name Temin Sul, while several yeah, say. Yeah, okay, I get it, I get it. Where can I find this worm? The Prime Minister explained that it could only be found in one of the most inhospitable and deadly stretches of land on Earth. Don't say your trousers, please. <laughs> the Gobi Desert. That's Mongolian for my Calvin Kleins. <laughs> Hashtag my Calvins. <laughs> then he laid down a challenge. The Prime Minister says he would be very appreciative if you could find one of these worms for me. The Mongolian government has never had an official specimen. He says, set the first one you catch aside for him and you can keep the rest. Mm. Then the Prime Minister gestured for one of his aides to give Roy something. He says, here, you'll need these. The Prime Minister handed him a dark pair of goggles and some long metal forceps. What do you want me to do with these? You'll know when the time is right. He puts them on. No, not now. <laughs> All right, I, I, it felt right. <laughs> so unfortunately for Roy, he was in way too deep to this mission to back out now. And so he accepted the challenge. From that day forth, he began gathering as much information about his new target as possible. He asked every Mongolian he crossed paths with about the mysterious creature. They shared horrific stories of a poisonous creature that could kill you in more ways than Roy could count. This is the problem with, with saying you're going after a worm, all right? Because I would usually say, I'm fine with that. I, I could kill a worm. Me versus a worm, done. One right. big boot and it's over. Uh, but I've seen Dune. And uh, the term worm gets thrown around a lot these <laughs> days to describe creatures that are not worms. They are enormous snake monsters the size of planets. This is Rory's letterboxed review for June Don't get me started. Don't get me started on how <laughs> much I didn't like worm Dune. worm gets bandied about too much. <laughs> That's my biggest issue with the movie. It's not a worm. They're saying it's poisonous. <laughs> oh, it's poisonous. All my right. brother in Christ. That's a snake. <laughs> Oh, That's no. not a worm! It's not a snake, which you will see. Did I mention this worm has claws and he lives in the forest? That's a bear you're talking about. <laughs> I think, I don't know how big worms can get, but if you're talking over five inches, you've lost your, your worm credentials. You're now a different creature. I don't know, man. I think there's a lot of really long worms in the world. No way. I'm going to Google what's the longest worm. Better you than me, because now is a good time in the podcast to reveal that I have a deathly fear of parasites. So I'm not looking at anything to do with worms or are parasites. Are worms parasites? Uh, some of them are. Really? <laughs> I'm just going to Google a uh, long meaty worm. Hot, they live in hot places, right? So like hot it, meat worm, <laughs> six inch plus meat worm. It's behind the scenes photo shoots from Timothy Chalamet in the June movie. <laughs> oh, little meaty worm, Timothy. Uh, the longest earthworm is a microchaetis rapi of South Africa. 
fucking hell. One specimen measured in at 21 feet in length. Yeah, and that's an earthworm. You, you could use that as a lasso. That is an enormous worm. Oh my god. This is the problem. There's not enough words for long, thin, little bugs. <laughs> that's, and I've been saying that for years. I love the, uh, in the UK, uh, the bootlace worm is apparently the longest worm. Okay. And its technical name is uh, Linnaeus longiciusmus. <laughs> That's lazy. That's just lazy. Longius wormius. It's like the way the Latin for a gorilla is gorilla, gorilla, gorilla. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. The guy who was translating that was just hard of hearing. <laughs> It's like, what? Gorilla. What is it? Gorilla! Gorilla, gorilla! And like, gorilla, gorilla, Got gorilla. It. Got it. Roy sought out settlements close to where sightings of this friggin' worm were clustered. He immediately noticed that almost none of the people he interviewed had seen the worm for themselves, but everyone had sworn they at least knew somebody that had. Roy spent hour upon hour in the Gobi Desert trying to catch a glimpse of this thing kitted out with the two vital pieces of equipment bestowed upon him by the Prime Minister himself. He crouched with his worm snatching pincers poised shades over his eyes to protect him from the worm's poison. <laughs> he sat perfectly still by reptile burrows for hours on end, day after day, week in, week out. You've been conned, Roy. They're taking the piss. They gave you worm goggles and sent you out of the desert? They are laughing at you back in the tavern. Right, this I is... I guarantee it. This is one of those classic gags that happens to people when they, like, start a new job, right? Yeah. They're sent to the storeroom to go look for, like, a thing that doesn't exist. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't exist at all. A paint measurer. Yeah. You know, they go ask the guy if you can get a paint measurer and a bubble level. <laughs> you know, the bubble in the level or whatever it is. And Except then he's back. been told to look for... A giant poisonous worm in the middle of the Gobi Desert, which is a crueler prank because he's probably going to die out there. Yeah, or let me tell you something. You stick in that desert long enough, you might see the worm. <laughs> it's not going to be real, but it's going to be there. It might be your own penis after two <laughs> two weeks of <laughs> through those goggles. Once those goggles get dusty enough, anything will start looking like a worm. Despite Roy's Indiana Jones-level sample collecting skills, the Olgoi Korkoi would prove to be his white whale and he never caught it. Letting down the Mongolian Prime Minister and maybe more importantly, Kit and Rory. Yeah, that's incredibly disappointing. I was already a little skeptical that this episode we're investigating a worm and now that you're telling me the worm didn't even show up. Rory, today <laughs> we're talking about the Mongolian death worm. Okay. Ever heard of it? Uh, no. What? No, I haven't. No. There's no way. No. We've been getting this email suggestion to our email inbox probably once a minute for five years. I think I've been trying to delete them <laughs> quick enough so that you don't see them. <laughs> so that we don't have to cover this on the podcast. One of them apparently slipped through. <laughs> <laughs> and I took it as fucking gospel. I was like, this is the best case that has ever existed. I'm watching our inbox goggles on, <laughs> spear at the ready, piercing any worm emails that come through. And one of those fuckers slipped by. Apparently so. Wait, so this is a cryptid, you're telling me? A paranormal cryptid? This is a cryptid. Uh, I'm shocked that you are not as familiar with it because it is probably one of the most famous cryptids of all time. Uh, one of the most ubiquitously 
known. Um, I would say it is just kind of below, you know, Sasquatch and all the rest of it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah. Just below Bigfoot is the Mongolian death worm. It's a pretty good name. <laughs> it's a pretty catchy little name. How Better big name is than it? Better Olgoy Korkoy. I don't want to dive straight into like describing the creatures. How big is it? Are we talking June level? You've seen June, right? Right. Okay. It's that big? <laughs> Maybe. They might grow that big. Okay. It might also grow a little smaller. <laughs> but time will tell. The time is now. Two inches. Two <laughs> inches usually. <laughs> Three when it's horny. <laughs> and one when it's cold out. Uh, <laughs> the name Olgoy Korkoy uh, translates to intestine worm. Um, mm. Not because it lives in your intestines or anything nuts like that, but whenever it's on the ground, it looks like uh, human intestines. Gross. Nasty. All right, so it's got to be long, right? But it's known in the West as the Mongolian death worm. There's so much fear surrounding this thing that people in Mongolia prefer to call it by a nickname than its true local term. They'll sometimes call it the long worm or other times call it the merciful one <laughs> so that they don't accidentally piss it off. I love it that you're like, they're so afraid of it that they've created a nickname, the long worm. Like that doesn't do anything to describe how dangerous it's supposed to be. It's kind of a Voldemort situation. Oh, like don't even say how deadly We can't it is. talk about it lest it attacks. Is it poisonous? You said it was poisonous. Right? <laughs> how many times do I have to tell you it's poisonous? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a snake. I, I see the cogs turning. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out the kind of questions you can ask to try and make it seem like a snake. Okay. And sure, it lives in the, the desert and it's a long little fucking worm and it doesn't have any legs and it's poisonous. So it sounds a lot like a snake. A snake yeah. But I do have pictures coming it's of a what it is supposed to look like. And okay. you're going to see once and for all that it's not a snake. <laughs> I'll hold fire. I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, Roy, as I say, clearly this thing is so damn dangerous. We need to take a closer look so we can all learn how to A, recognize it, and B, how to counter its attacks and survive out in the Gobi Desert. Um, <laughs> the time is now. The bad boy is about four feet long. Um, <laughs> but there are measurements allegedly anywhere from two to seven feet. I mean, seven feet is like the height of that door. That's pretty big. Yeah, pretty big for a worm. It doesn't have any legs or a distinguishable head. It is either a dark red or a pale pink color. Uh, and crucially, it looks so much like a penis, it is truly beyond belief. <laughs> That's what I was worried about. <laughs> I don't want to see the pictures anymore. I'm good. The pictures are coming. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this does look a lot like a penis. Is that your watch in the background? <laughs> Give Whoa, me that back. <laughs> wrong photo. <laughs> That's to show you how much it doesn't look like a penis. That's my merciful one. Jeez, I just had a panic there where I like, I realized I wasn't really concentrating on iMessage and I had a real panic about who I just sent that picture of a worm to. <laughs> that would have been a great message to receive out of the blue. It's basically the body of a worm or a snake. Right. But, you know, because it's called a death worm, I assumed it had, similar to Dune, just like an open whole face full of jaggedy teeth, similar to the Rancor from Star Wars. It's a cock. It's got a bell end. It's genuinely just the tip of a penis. I wish we were head. joking. I wish, I wish for the sake of this being a comedy podcast that we were trying to 
uh, be funny here, it, but it, it unfortunately you sent me porn does on my work look phone quite a bit like a penis, which is fine because penises are natural and they are scientific. I don't want to know how this thing excretes poison <laughs> if it doesn't have a mouth. That's exactly the way you think, bud. <laughs> Uh, people claim that it doesn't have a mouth, but other people do say that it actually can open a la June to uh, reveal rows of sharp teeth. Oh, Jesus. Regarding habitat, we are talking, these are the driest, sandiest corners of the Gobi Desert. But this thing will venture further after rain when the ground is cool and damp. The next point is a crazy amount of detail to have about a cryptid. Apparently it hibernates for 10 months a year and only emerges for June and July. If this thing shows up somewhere, the people that live nearby simply move out on the spot, leaving Why? all their belongings behind. Because it's, uh, how many times do I have to tell you it's poisonous? <laughs> there are so many other poisonous things in the world. Maybe not in the Gobi Desert. Probably. <laughs> Some people have reported moving after just hearing about a sighting. They don't even need to see it. They're like, I'm good. Check, please. You could kill this thing with a rock. It's uh, not that sketchy or dangerous. At this point, I should explain why people are so scared of it. Okay. Are you ready for this one? Yeah. Ready for this one, Indiana Jones, motherfucker? <laughs> sure, you take don't it. insult me. Just say the a, thing. It's so toxic, you can't even look at it. <laughs> B. <laughs> B, if it touches, no, if no it touches your skin, you're dead. Irrelevant. If it grazes you, you die. <laughs> if you look at it, you're poisoned. You, you think people just are like calling it Voldemort for fun? No, this thing, like you can't talk about it. Don't look at it. What? How does it kill you via sight? How does that work? You can't look at it. It's that poisonous. The jury is still out on that one. How have people drawn pictures of it then? It has liquid <laughs> venom. Okay. It is liquid. This is the this is the crux of it. This is the majority of why it's so dangerous. It is liquid venom that it sprays out over great distances. Now this is allegedly so acidic it can melt metal. Oh damn. As you know, venomous snakes they'll transfer their poison through a bite, uh, but th this worm doesn't do that. Mongolian nomads believe that. It raises the front half of its body out of the sand. And I don't want anyone to think any of this is supposed to sound sexual just because it looks like a giant penis. To be clear, none of this is funny or sexual. No. But as it, don't as even, it don't lifts even out of laugh. the ground, it gets closer and closer to the surface. Then it eventually Erect, explodes say, everywhere, yeah. showering the scene and anybody present with its lethal, lethal poison. What's funny about that? I wish it weren't true, but it is. Okay. Uh, What's the range on that puppy? Can it like snipe someone from the hills or is it kind of like a close range sort of? I, I think it's pretty close jack. range. We're talking like, you know, like six feet, 12 feet, I don't <laughs> okay. know, something like right. that. So it's like just busting a nut basically. No, it's not. No, that's no, what it is. It's not. I said it's not like busting a nut. <laughs> I specifically said it wasn't busting a nut. <laughs> I wish that were all, but I haven't yet mentioned that it's also electric. It's poison and lightning. What? Uh, it electrocutes things apparently in order to eat livestock, camels, and you guessed it, <laughs> human beings. It, what, it can basically cook them with electricity? Either. Jesus Christ. All right, well, I don't know how that now is getting paranormal for sure. <laughs> Rory, is this thing like any creature we have covered on the podcast before? 
an electric cock. <laughs> You're describing some sort of sand dildo. <laughs> it vibrates through the dunes. No, no, this is not like any paranormal cryptid we've investigated before. I don't think we've investigated a lot of worm-like creatures. Yeah, isn't that weird? Like, I feel like almost every paranormal being is some kind of humanoid. It's like a goat man, a lizard man. Yeah. Um, donkey lady. I think we had... Uh, wasn't there one creature? Maybe it was the Groot slang mm -hmm. that was like part elephant, part snake. That's right, yeah. Or something. Maybe that was the closest, even though that thing was enormous. And I think it was biblical. It was like a god. Uh, whereas this thing is, you know, people are afraid of it and they talk about it uh, through this, this, almost through the lens of myth and legend. They're, you're like, they don't even want to say its name. But it does seem like at its surface level, it is kind of on par with just dangerous animals. You know, it can't teleport or fly. Um, it just kind of like shoots poison and is just dangerous to be around. Yeah, no, it's not teleporting. It's a famous cryptid because it's supposed to be very real. Just no one's pinning it down. Right. And everyone's hunting for it, trying to put it in a museum. Um, unlike, say, some of the crazier Sasquatch theories that he can teleport or read minds. Sure, sure. Well, needless to say, we do need some evidence or at least some more sightings to figure out if this thing is real or not. All of that and more in the second half of today's case right after these words from today's sponsors. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here. Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. 
it turns out that Roy from our story earlier is far from the only cryptid hunter to search for our mythical friend. In 1990, a Czech cryptid hunter named Ivan Makarl stepped onto the scene. He had previously gone looking for beasts, including the Loch Ness Monster. Ivan went out to Mongolia and tried his best to hunt down information on the beast, talking to anyone he could. Excuse me, sir. Have you ever seen Olgoy Korkoy? Oh, get away from me! You there. You seem to be knowledgeable. Do you know the legends? Be gone! F*** off, evildoer! Madam, can I ask you a few questions about the intestine worm? Unfortunately for Ivan, the Mongolian government had outlawed searching for the monster. He couldn't go on a hunt, but managed to get some decent intel from the chattier Mongolians he met. Hey, you don't have to tell people you're going for the hunt. Maybe just chill out with some sunglasses and a fork in the desert. They can't tell you. you they can't prove you're looking for the worm. Rory is dressed up like a big game hunter, full camouflage, wraparound shades, gun... Hat. Yeah, baseball cap that says, uh, women love me, worms fear me. (laughs) Yeti cooler full of natty ice. In an ironic twist, I've got a bait bucket full of fish to catch the worms (laughs) in this (laughs) f***ed up scenario. Wait, that doesn't work because worms don't eat fish. Wait, what do worms eat? This worm will eat anything, bud. (laughs) Ivan knew there had been a lot of sightings. And he'd also discovered there'd been a high volume of unusual deaths in the region. Mm. Something had to be up. He wasn't deterred by the lack of confirmed sightings or physical evidence. He figured it must live underground and probably even traveled through subterranean burrows. And thankfully, two years later, Mongolia lifted the ban on hunting the beast and he went back to try again. And I'm not making this up. He actually created a device inspired by the novel Dune. What? Do you remember the bit where they're hammering the desert to try and lure the worm? He designed and constructed an engine-powered thumper to pound the sand. Wow. Hey, Ivan! Ivan! Can you hear me? Do you really think this is the right approach to catch a super shy and elusive worm? What did you say? Does anyone have an aspirin? I said, Ivan, we've been here for hours. Should we maybe change plan? She's out here all right. She's just playing hard to get. It's just, the worm is supposed to be skittish. We might find more success if we left out some bait. A camel, maybe? That way we can- I'm gonna cut you off there because I think your ideas are great and I do respect you, but also I've got a better idea. Fetch my dynamite. But weirdly, no matter how much of the Gobi Desert they destroyed, Ivan's team failed to find a single death worm. This thing is like a riddle. How can everyone have seen it, but it's not there when you go looking for it? What is this thing? Because you die if you see it. That's why no (laughs) one's seen it. Because the dead don't tell tales. Yeah, if Ivan had seen it, Ivan would not be saying he didn't find it because he, yeah, you get it. It's like they say, why is it every time you call the wrong number, they're always home? It's like, because if they weren't home, you wouldn't know you called the wrong number. That's actually a pretty good allegory. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. Dynamite is not a bad idea, to be fair, because at least then you might end up accidentally killing one, and then I assume you can look at it once it's dead. (laughs) 
But the 1990s wasn't even the last expedition. There have been more recent ones. Uh, there was one in 2005. Richard Freeman of the Center for Fortean Zoology took three of his best bros out to the Gobi Desert and luckily for us, they filmed the whole thing. Wow. Even editing it into an hour-long documentary on YouTube. Now, they went to the desert and published and distributed leaflets to all the desert nomads to try and get people talking about it and coming forward. Every witness that came forward was asked to indicate where the sighting was. Lots of people said they'd seen it. And uh, if you watch the video, as I say, it is long to kind of play clips of it here, but it is cool to hear firsthand accounts. So even though we are struggling here for physical evidence, there is a nice amount of consistency in the sightings over almost the last hundred years. I guess the weird thing that I find is like, you know, there are other animals on earth that are very poisonous. You know, for mm -hmm. example, take, uh, is it the box jellyfish? That's like one of the most poisonous animals on earth. Yeah. Even touching it, like you die in fractions of seconds. It's Looking at it, some say. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Um, but we have pictures of those jellyfish. We've been able to see them. You can Google it and see a picture of it, even if it lives in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so I don't fully understand why we don't have a picture of this creature, even if it is as poisonous as people say it is. Could that be anything to do with the fact that it looks so much like a penis? It gets somehow <laughs> censored by, by Google images. <laughs> right. It's possible. You have to take safe search off to see pictures <laughs> of the creature. One interesting thing that this guy Richard did uncover was that of course, Mongolia was under Soviet control until the USSR stopped existing in the 90s. And on this trip, Richard heard that Russian scientists allegedly uncovered a dead specimen in 1972. Here we go. It was removed and is rumored to be hidden somewhere in a Russian museum's basement to this very day. Wow. Which I will say is extremely tantalizing. But you might agree, Roy, it also sounds like a lot of other cases we've looked at, right? I mean, just look at Organism 46B. Uh, there's something very tempting about pointing to Russia and all its secrets and saying, back there is it where all <laughs> the evidence is. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it was part of this empire, so it's not impossible. I will say as well, Russia loves their poisons. <laughs> they do love their say poisons. Say what you will! <laughs> But so they, uh, if any country <laughs> likes a poison, they can't deny. If they can capture a worm that if you look at it, you die. Yeah, they're going to want to take that back to the motherland. I seem to remember that was the plot of Organism 46B as well, was that the Russians turned it into a weapon yeah, in the Cold yeah. War. They were going <laughs> to unleash an octopus on America. <laughs> but again, frustratingly, Richard's expedition was a failure, like all the others that came before it. The fact remains that nobody with any kind of scientific authority has ever managed to document one of these things alive or dead, making the mystery all the more puzzling. Now, I would say that some scientists do kind of come out on record and say, look, I think this thing is a snake. Scientists like Rory. Yeah. <laughs> but as you've seen, Rory, it is quite different. Snakes don't spray... Uh, poison all over the landscape um, amongst some of the other characteristics here. Other people think it's a worm. Other scientists say there are big worms out there. I think in Australia, researcher Amy was pointing out that there is 
kind of crazy species of worm that even do live in sand, but they would not be able to survive the extreme temperatures of the Gobi Desert. Yeah, I mean, this is the problem that we're going to be bumping up against in our conclusions, is that there's nothing about this creature that sets it apart enough from regular animals of the Earth. It looks a bit like a snake. It looks a bit like a worm. It acts a bit like a cobra. Um, you know, these are all kind of animals that exist in our world and have similar traits to animals that we that exist in our world. So, uh, granted, there's not any animals that I know that if you look at them, you die. Um, so I can't quite explain that one. But I don't know. This, like, weirdly doesn't even feel like if it was real, it would necessarily reach the level to be considered a cryptid, if that makes sense. Right, but we've had this disagreement before that we need to uh, maybe look into and come back to. But I think, at least to me, the point of a cryptid is it doesn't have to teleport. It just has to be an undiscovered creature. Is that true? Is that the definition of Let's a cryptid? Let's look it up right now. Do it. <laughs> it shouldn't have taken us this many episodes to look up the definition of cryptid. Yeah. A cryptid is an animal believed to potentially exist somewhere in the wild, but are not believed to exist by mainstream science. Oh, okay. Okay. So we're literally talking about animals that scientists do not believe in. But, so the, but there are sightings. So of. it could just be a worm. It didn't even have to do all the poison or electricity shit. It could just be a big... <laughs> it does, though. It, <laughs> okay. Let's not bury the lead here. <laughs> uh, Rory, at the end of every episode, we do have to decide whether a case is paranormal or not. And look, I, I get it. <laughs> Bro, I get it. There's a lack of physical evidence here. Everyone can see it. But before you make your choice, there is just one more piece of evidence to show you. When Richard and his crew were in Mongolia in 2005... They ended their documentary by writing a song about the creature, okay. which is pretty convincing. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Why? In the land of Genghis Khan lives the most horrific world. Shut up. <laughs> or so they say over the new and far away. Those were the scientific explorers that you told me went out to hunt for the worm? <laughs> Would if, if the, 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 the Mongolian, I, I haven't forgotten its name, if the Mongolian death worm did not exist... Would a bunch of researchers have made a song that bad? You made <laughs> you made them sound like they were Indiana Jones style, cool, rugged scientists. If Indiana yeah. Jones had written a song like that, the Nazis would have shot him dead in the first movie. <laughs> he wouldn't have been given so many chances to live. Yeah, I'm pretty sure these guys weren't researchers. I think they were a bunch of hippies that normally would be hanging out in a Grateful Dead parking lot. <laughs> but the Grateful Dead weren't on tour, so they had to do something else. Um, you imagine right. in the movie, Any last words, Mr. Jones, before I bury you and you become one of the artifacts? Uh, f***ing Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> it wasn't even as tuneful as that, let's be honest. <laughs> Don't look when they open the ark. Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, that wasn't really the galvanizing bit of kind of heroic content I was hoping for at the end of this episode. Um, unfortunately, I, I do have to hand the floor over to you. What do you think, Rory? I, I don't know if there's too much time scientifically to talk about a worm, but this is it. <laughs> we reached it. <laughs> We've entertained worms enough. I don't even think a scientist would want to talk about worms that much or a fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> this has gone on long enough, and I'm shutting it down now. It's a no. <laughs> it's a no for me this week. Uh, that really I don't... sucks, man. <laughs> that really sucks. You must have known this is coming. There's no way you couldn't have it's known just that such this is a big case. Coming. I just really thought that, like, it's not a big case. It's small. It's a big one. I Check the inbox, bud. Check four the foot? inbox. <laughs> Yeah, four foot actually isn't that big. It's like the size of that table, right? I hadn't really clocked. So the the one thing that I thought was interesting that I hadn't really thought about is maybe do you think the reason that the uh, explorer at the start was given the goggles was to counteract the effect of looking at the creature killing you? Okay, there like must a, have been like a, a Medusa thing. Yeah, because otherwise I was like, okay, well maybe it's just to deal with kind of uh, snow blindness. If he's out in the desert for that long, okay. maybe the sun, maybe just want a pair of shades because it's going to be bright. But maybe, maybe that's something to, to, to a defense against this uh, visual poison. Um, I don't care anymore because you've already <laughs> given it a no. So yeah. there's kind of nothing I can do at this point. Okay. So I kind of don't even, <laughs> you don't despite, despite being the one who put a lot of time into this case, I know I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I wish I could forget it ever happened, to be honest. Uh, so your conclusion for this week's episode? It's a no. It's a no, okay. Hey, I did enjoy this story. It was investigating something different as well. A part of the world we have, I don't think, ever been to. Never in Mongolia. our lives. I don't know if there's a whole series of cryptids out there, but something worth looking into. The desert is a strange place, my friends. A lot of weird shit out there. Scorpions? Do you really, Scorpions? Do you really think Genghis Khan took over the world on his own? Really? <laughs> Just with man no. on horseback? He had a couple scorpions and a couple dick worms fighting for him. Let me tell you that for sure. Uh, that's our personal conspiracy theory, uh, not the views of the BBC. Hope you enjoyed this investigation into the Mongolian death worm. Uh, it only took us five years to get to it, so thank you for being so patient if you've been looking out for this investigation. But guys, if you cannot get enough of this paranormal life, you cannot wait until Tuesday, please take this. You're going to need it where you're going. What is it? It's a preloaded credit card with $5. Oh. And a gun because it's not safe out there. Uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. Uh, this is where we are putting up bonus content on the weekly weekly after parties behind the scenes of this paranormal life what's going on monthly full-length investigations into the paranormal of which there's more than 50 uh, available for listening right now and on the higher tiers it's more of kind of like an only fan service no, you want to you want to no, see our not. mongolian death worms no. you can see them bud no. head on over to patreon.com rory thing <laughs> I, it's not something i'm willing to uh Actually, hey, you can enter a custom amount into Patreon. So I'm not saying try me, yeah, but like show me some numbers. Well, yeah, slide some across the table. 
Let's see what what's out there. We're not saying we're not saying we're gonna do it, but you know, how much you got? I'll show my butt. I got a good butt. I've told I've said that on the podcast before. <laughs> Nine dollars fifty later, we're on stripper poles. <laughs> we're showing everything, leaving nothing <laughs> it took to the imagination. So little. <laughs> More people were paying us to stop, and we still did it. Someone delivered me a Big Mac, <laughs> and I and I went all out. Um, there really is a ton of content uh, over there going up every single week. Um, a whole community of people uh, reacting to it as well. You can hop in the comments and see what's going on with the other patrons. Check it out. Patreon.com forward slash This Paranormal Life. Also, in case you missed it, one of the most recent after parties, we did a full deep dive on kind of all the secret projects we've been up to over the last year, um, one of which we launched on last week's podcast. So a reminder that um, the first Rory Power single is out now. Hell yeah. With the video. People don't know that. We podcast together and we make music together. And last week, our uh, new single, Stories, was just released. So check it out. Check uh, uh, Stories by Rory Powers on Spotify, or there's a sweet-ass music video for it on YouTube. Yeah, uh, we'll drop the links in the description of this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of similar to the Death Worm. Okay. But instead of hmm, killing you way, when you see though. it, you when you hear it, something happens. I won't say what. I won't say what. You have to listen to well, it to it find out what die, happens. Because no one's going to do it then. I didn't so say die. Say that. I never said die. I said something happens when you listen to stories by Roy Powers. Okay, pretty I, ominous, I say, though, I would I say. say. Pretty ominous. So just make sure you're standing in front of a coffin when it comes on. All right. You're going to fall backwards. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the, the response has been uh, really fantastic from you guys. So thank you so much. It really makes it feel like it was yeah. worth our time and effort, which you can hear all about in the after party. Um, but yeah, so much more coming soon on that front. Rory, I think it might be time to jump in to some shout outs let's do it we give shout outs to people who are on the uh patreon 20 dollars or higher tier we're gonna dive into it right now special thank you to gabe yzf yo gabe from the young Z zebra family they are the hottest rap crew in the streets right now damn never even heard of them their mixtape it goes hard what does gabe do is he sing does he play an instrument he mostly uh, break dances. He doesn't really have a good voice or good DJing skills. So he's more of like the hype man. Oh, okay. It's a cool job to have. Spinning around. Not, I'm going to come clean. He's not even that good at break dancing, if I'm honest. So he just kind of does the robot while everyone else performs. Yeah. And they're all wearing like cool, like rapper clothes and stuff. He mostly wears like stuff from Primark. That's so fine. Like, yeah. You know. Just. But like not like cool stuff, but like just like a, a polo shirt and like just shorts. He looks really out of place. Okay, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. <laughs> Gabe, you're letting the young zebra family down. Come on, step it up. Thanks also to Marlexen. Marlexen actually went out to the desert to hunt for the worm. Um they kind of just didn't get those special goggles and just went for a pair of Ray-Bans, assuming it would do kind of a similar thing. Dead instantly. Oh. Saw the worm drop to the ground. <laughs> At least they look cool while they were dying. I want to die in shades for sure. Thanks to Joseph Grassel. Is your grass a hassle? Come on down to Joseph's Grassel. <laughs> He's got he'll sort out all your grass needs. Nice. Um, cutting him up like he sells lawnmowers or something like that. Mostly salt. He'll mostly sell you salt to just kill your 
kills the soil, <laughs> the grass, so man. nothing will ever grow again. That's because if your grass is asshole, come yeah. on, Joseph Grassle. Grassalt. Grassalt. That's what it that's what it is. That's the name of the product actually. Grassalt. <laughs> that's what it is. That's why I said it. It's like, calm down, dude. No one was questioning why you said the salt thing. <laughs> no, no. I just need to remember to patent that because it's such a good name. Grassalt. Grassalt. Thanks also to Aubrey Haber. Aubrey Haber, the great neighbor. Just Ooh. just the most stand-up neighbor you could ask for. Need to borrow some sugar? Aubrey's got you. Need to salt your lawn? <laughs> They've got some grass salt. <laughs> They've got some grass salt. So if you need sugar or salt, you're fine. But it seems like anything else, they won't be able to help you. Actually, on every other front, they're kind of not that great. Yeah, they kind of have a bunch of crazy dogs that keep coming over and like wrapping up the, <laughs> yeah, ripping up the house. Doesn't and, sound like a good neighbor yeah. at all. <laughs> For the salt and the sugar, got you covered. Thanks to Frank Farish. If it isn't Spanky Frankie, Woo. he went out into the dunes and just started spanking the sand, hoping <laughs> to get the worms rising. Right. Uh, partially because you said, uh, like, the vibrations and stuff in the ground mm -hmm. would... Mm -hmm. Like uh, in June, yeah. June. Also, some people are just into that. You want those worms to rise? Mm, sure, I just don't... I just don't a, get a healthy too spanking down in will the sexiness. Get those worms. Get those worms all coming right. out of the ground. That's all I'm saying. Thanks to Amy Gray. Good to hear from Amy. I think she was actually the winner of one of our TPL monthly raffles. It's very true. Where she got the cursed doll that we used on an episode of this podcast. That's right. Um, so she seems to at least be able to still use her thumbs and fingers. The profile picture associated with her, her account here is a coffin. <laughs> okay, sure. So that's fine. Read into that what you will, I think. She's gone. All right. Thanks to Zach Faust. Zach Faust was quiet as a mouse walking through the Gobi Desert until he just started letting rip and started spanking and spanking. <laughs> uh, maybe being quiet would have been the thing to do, though, because he was gobbled up immediately. Yeah, it was like whack-a-mole. Those worms were popping up faster than he could spank them. Thanks to Jeremy Cloutier. Jeremy, if I got killed by a worm in the desert, would you carry me? Would you carry me home? My my legs are limp, my body is limp, and I need someone to carry me, Jeremy. I don't know, it's quite far. You are in the middle of nowhere. It feels like a you problem, maybe. I want to go home. <laughs> Give me your shades. <laughs> so you know you're dying. Thanks to Jacob Workman. Jacob, you're exactly the kind of person that we need in the paranormal commune. You know how hard it is to find a man who's willing to work these days? <laughs> They're all pretty keen on working towards some sort of rebellion. Some sort of some sort of uh, rebel alliance, which is kind of frustrating. But we need we need a work we need more workmen in the in the paranormal commune. So many will say that that it is beyond work. That if it is unpaid and if the hours are punishing, that it's not fair. But I know that a good workman like you will will be more than up to the job. Character building. That's what it is. Thanks also to Corbin Ryder. Uh, Corbin, unfortunately, a writer is kind of the last thing we actually need in the commune right now. I, I would argue that yeah. actually the populace is entirely too literate and too educated um, because we've kind of figured that when people are able to read and write and communicate, they start to band together <laughs> to start a revolution. And we don't want any more of that crazy nonsense. So, yeah. 
you Unless know. you can write some laws into effect that yeah, would maybe kind some of propaganda, and I mention it. Some punishing things. Thanks also to Cecilia Irvine. Cecilia Irvine thought they were feeling fine, but uh oh, it's worm time. <laughs> They were trying to go for a quiet walk she the must Gobi have known. Desert. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't in a uh, pop out of nowhere. Who would have thought that they would be sadly and tragically gobbled by the worm? That's on you, Cecilia. You should have known. Thanks, lastly, but not leastly today, to Greg Gardiner. Greg Gardiner? You need some salt, buddy. <laughs> because we know just the guy who can get it for you. You got someone you hate, Greg? Someone you want their, their garden to die? Forever. Yeah, that's usually not what gardeners do. But if they have it's enemies, gardens die if they forever. Have enemies, <laughs> you could be interested in some grass salt. Yeah. Give it to your, your gardening rivals. And then your gardening rivals will end up killing all the plants. Oh, this thing makes the, <laughs> makes these plants blossom and bloom like nobody's business. It's called grass salt. <laughs> it makes flowers grow. Does it? It sounds really aggressive and poisonous. Thank you, of course, to Greg and to everyone we've shouted out today um, for getting through shoutouts as fast as we can. We will hear more next week on Tuesday's main episode. We'll be back on Friday, of course, for the after party over on patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. But we will see you here on Tuesday. Nonetheless, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you back here for another episode of this paranormal life. Bye bye, folks. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.